following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. of Advent in the church's calendar. And the season invites us all, as they said, to focus on the coming of Christ into the world. It launches a new church year and has four Sundays in it, so we go up to Christmas Eve. It's a time to prepare for the coming of Christ's, his first coming as a child in Bethlehem, to celebrate the astounding claim that a helpless baby born into our world to a vulnerable young woman was none other than God made flesh. God coming into your world and mine. And Advent too is also a time to get ready for Christ's second coming when he returns in glory, when every form of evil will be judged and banished, when Christ's kingdom will come in all its fullness when God's good plans for his creation will finally become a reality. And our reading in Isaiah hints at how things will look, at, look like in that day. Nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. No use then for our brand new aircraft carriers. Now many of you will be familiar with the uh, meaning of Advent, but I've said a little about it because I know that when I was first lured into the Anglican Church, I was completely unfamiliar with uh, church seasons or indeed uh, Advent. And some of you here this morning might be in that same kind of position. But over the years, I've grown to love Advent. I like the way it begins the new church year. Just as we're starting to think about the close of the secular year, the ending of things, Advent points us to new beginnings, a new year, new hope. It comes too as the days get darker and brings us all a message of light and love and warmth a message symbolized by the candle that we've just lit, a message centered on the coming of Jesus Christ into our world and the promise of his return, a message that is just good news for us in our troubled world. So a very peaceful and happy new church year to all of you. Advent encourages us to be expectant as we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus, God with us. And as we long for the day when Christ returns, we cry out, even so, come Lord Jesus. Advent encourages us to be patient as we wait for Jesus to come and to be ready and watching for that coming, a theme of our passage that we'll look at in a little while ready not only for the good things that lie ahead, 
but ready too to account for our lives in the final judgment. So the season of Advent offers us all an opportunity, a window of nearly four weeks to be reorientated in our lives, to invite Christ once again or for the umpteenth time to be the centre of everything, to be renewed in our knowledge of God's love expressed in Christ's first coming and in the sure hope that we have as we look for Christ's return, to be renewed in our day-to-day lives so that they reflect God's kingdom values and priorities and keep us focused on the things that ultimately count. Some of you may know the big, empty, wooden uh, photo frame on the banks of the weir by the cricket ground. Has anyone seen it? Big, empty, wooden photo frame. And it has a large sign on the, on the top beam, Durham, uh, across the top. The background, if you look through the photo frame, is to the cathedral and the castle and the beautiful trees uh, around them. And what people do is to stand in the photo frame and then have their photograph taken. So it immediately gives a context to where they are, to their visit. Durham, the cathedral in the photo as well. Uh, a, A brilliant idea. And I think, in a way, the season of Advent invites us to do something similar, to see ourselves again in the wonderful context that God has given us for our lives. The birth of a saviour who came to die for us, and the promise of a new heaven and a new earth, the context of his first and second coming. So I want to invite you all this morning to, as it were, stand in that photo frame with Advent on the top. That's our context as Christians. Now that Advent invitation to reorientation comes, of course, at just that time of the year when the temptation to believe that life is all about things and commerce and drink and food and bright lights is at its strongest. Black Friday life, if you like. Someone said to me after the morning service that had I realised that uh, Black Friday in the States follows immediately after Thanksgiving. A bizarre combination. But the season of Advent has itself now become a commercial opportunity. Advent calendars of every possible kind can now be bought. I guess the one I like most is the calendar which invites us all to discover the unique flavours of curries around the world. It's a bit different from the rest because it just has 12 12 doors. I'm not quite sure what happened to the other 12 doors. Perhaps the producers thought it might be wise to limit the curry consumption uh, to 12 days in any given month. None of these calendars, of course, mentions any link between Advent and the coming of Christ. Now, of course, a lot of this can be really good fun. And all the other things that go on at this time of year may be enjoyable too. Presents, cards, parties, good food, old cracker jokes. But with all these noises off, let's also take the very special opportunity that Advent gives you and me to pause and ponder over Christ's first coming and his second coming 
and as we do so, to allow our lives, our thinking and attitudes to be realigned, reframed, to reflect God's good purposes for our lives and his world. Might it be possible, for example, for each of us to find some time for each day of the following month to do just this? There are many, many good books around for Advent. Um, There's two that I've brought along this morning. The first is uh, John Sentamu, the Archbishop of York's book, Wake Up to Advent. It's a good, light read. It's not too heavy, just right for a daily reading. And then there's another book that I'm happening, uh, I happen to use this year, Mal- Malcolm Geit, Waiting for the Word. It has a poem a day to ponder and think over. So spend a time each day during Advent so that our, your life and mine might be uh, reorientated. So what of our passage? Verse 44, I think, provides a really good summary of Jesus' message. Be ready. Be ready. If you don't remember anything else I say, please take those two, two words away with you this morning. Be ready. What are the two words? Be ready. Go on, let's hear it more. Be ready. Be ready. That's right. Jesus is responding to his disciples' questions at the start of the chapter about the end of the age. When will it happen? How will we know? And Jesus' response has been poured over by scholars. It seems to move between describing the fall of Jerusalem, the ransacking of the temple, and the final event of history when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness. Yet in a way, we don't have to work all that out. Uh, to get to Jesus' fundamental message, to be ready. And in our day, it's the coming of Christ in glory that calls us to readiness. Now this message, to be ready, isn't really the message the disciples are looking for. Their interest, if you read carefully, is in the timetable. When will it happen? They want to know how they will know that it's the end of the age. They're interested in the mechanics, the detail, rather than how they should live. And that fascination with precise timings is mirrored in our day by the many fruitless efforts that have been made to predict precisely when Jesus will come again in glory. Take a look sometime at Wikipedia's entry on the second coming. It's really uh, bizarre as well as sad and embarrassing. Now, it's very good, of course, to take time to reflect on and puzzle over the intricacies of our faith. Praise God for the theologians that we have in Durham. But let's always be listening at the same time to Christ's call on our lives to be ready. Jesus is clear that the timing of his return is known only to God, the Father, verse 36 He doesn't know when, nor do the angels. So trying to tie down uh, things down is a pointless exercise. Jesus says he will come, verse 44, at an hour when he is not expected. And he uses the example of the flood to underline this surprise. People are just getting on with ordinary life, eating, drinking, getting married. And then suddenly, without warning, They are hit by the flood and swept away. 
Now, I take from that the need to be aware, to be ready, not to have a complete lack of awareness, as was the case there. And perhaps with a wry smile, Jesus tells us what might happen if we did know the precise time of Christ's return. Look at verses 42 and 43. If we had advanced notice, we would simply make sure that we were prepared for the scheduled time. The rest of the time we could relax and do our own thing. It would be much easier, wouldn't it, for us if house burglars kindly phoned ahead before they tried to enter a property. I could imagine a kind of Heath Robinson app on the phone that would ping every time a would-be burglar scheduled a visit. Scheduled readiness. But I think the point that Jesus is making here is that his call to his disciples and to us is to whole-of-life readiness rather than to occasional tailored readiness, a readiness that is centred on the sure return of Christ in glory. Uh, when the children were younger, we went out or, and we went out for the day or went on holiday, my wife would make sure we would go fully equipped for almost any eventuality. Distress, bruises, scratches, accidents involving toilets, mud or food were all in the frame. We didn't want these things to happen, but if they did, we were ready, ready for anything. But here, the focus is clear, Christ's return. So Jesus calls us to live day in, day out, ready for his return. That sounds a bit exhausting, a bit breathless. So perhaps a more helpful way of thinking of this readiness is in terms of simply living a life that is consistent with the kingdom of God, its priorities, its values, its promises. One we would not be ashamed of at Christ's coming. So our readiness reflected, if you like, in the continuity, despite all our imperfections, between how we are living now and how we would live then. So what might all this readiness look like in practical terms? Later in the chapter, and in chapter 25, Jesus gives us some clues to the answer. For example, there's the parable in verses 45 to 51 of the faithful and wise servant who looks after the needs of others and who doesn't abuse others. In chapter 25, there's the parable of the talents, a story about making full use of the talents we've been given before the master returns. Not wasting those talents, but putting them to good use. And then towards the end of chapter 25, we have the separation of the sheep from the goats made by Jesus at the final judgment. The distinction is based not on who has the most theological knowledge, but on practical service in the name of Christ. Those invited to share in the kingdom are those who fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, showed hospitality to the stranger, provided clothes for the needy, and visited people in prison. Readiness, kingdom readiness, shown through the expression of Christ's love in practical ways. And the call to live the kingdom life today comes to us not only in the special 
but also in the mundane, the everyday. Jesus talks, for example, of two men in a field, agricultural workers doing the same ordinary kind of work, getting on with the day job. But one is ready and the other is not. We can't see any distinction between these two on the surface, but there is a fundamental difference between them. Some of us here might feel we live rather mundane, ordinary lives, yet they are full of opportunities to be ready by being practical channels of Christ's love. So as we enter Advent 2019, let's allow the Holy Spirit to reorientate our lives in the light of Christ's first coming and in the light of his second coming. And let us show by our lives and service that we're ready and watching for Christ to come again. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.